What is the scariest fruit there is? Oh, is this in the show now? Yes, this is part of the show now. We didn't do the countdown. I know. It's going to be our cold. Oh, this is going to be the open. Yeah. (laughs) Ask me again. What is the scariest fruit there is? Is it a booberry? No, it's a boonana. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Said you wrote that one down, huh? My son said it's not funny and then yelled at me. Wow. Yeah. Sounds very invested in this. He's that's his whole thing right now is that I'm not funny. He's the only one who thinks so. Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? Going all right, Nick. How are you? I'm doing great. I have seen three movies this week. I have seen two. What have you watched? I have seen the movie Parasite from 2019. Excellent. See how I remembered that at the beginning of the show? (laughs) Shut up. I also watched a movie that just came out called Superman, Red Sun, an animated film directed by Sam Liu. Hmm. That's the guy with the weird edits, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, okay. And from 1986, Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) Uh, So what have you seen? Well, as listeners who were, you know, loyal to us and, and heard last week's episode, which I think aired yesterday. It came out um, late, yeah. But I guess not yesterday for when they're hearing this. So anyway, they uh, will know that I had seen Parasite, but I forgot that I had watched it. And so there's Parasite. And then I went to the movies and saw a movie called Fantasy Island. Wow. You went and saw that? I sure did. And unfortunately, we were running a bit late and there was a lot going on. So I do not have a preview corner. With oh, that. no. Yeah, this is going to be a, a cornerless fantasy island. But it sounds like we've got a lot of movies to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we've got so a lot of ground to cover today. It's not like last week where we only had two movies and two hours <laughs> to kill. <laughs> Since I saw the most, I suppose I'll start. And Go for I, it. I will begin with Crocodile Dundee from 1986, directed by Peter Feynman. It stars Paul Hogan and Linda Kozlowski. And this is a movie my wife insisted we watched because she's like, you've never seen this? And I said, I don't know if I've seen this one or the sequel. Really? Yeah. And it turns out that I had not seen this movie because in the, the sequel, it starts in New York and ends in australia and this movie starts in australia and ends in new york so Hmm. i imagine crocodile dundee 2 was on comedy central a lot which is why i I saw it a lot i didn't really like this movie it's Hmm. like i said it's from 1986 which apparently it was the second biggest movie of the year that year behind top gun which is insane because it's not very funny it's not very good It's, it's pretty terrible and how could this movie make this much money? It's just a terrible comedy. Like, why Why was this a success? And I, I don't understand it. Because people didn't know about Australia. I yet. guess. Like, it, it, I will say that Paul Hogan does have this charm about him that's very compelling, where you're, you want to, you're like, oh, this, this is a very interesting looking fella. 
and I'm, I'm into what he's doing. But for the most part, everything he does is not interesting. And it's not the fault of the movie, but everything about this is a cliche because because the movie was so successful. So like, the, it's not a, that's not a knife. This is a knife and like all that stuff. And those scenes that are parodied uh-huh. so many times, it really burns you out on this movie. And yeah. so the, the premise of this movie is Linda Koz... Lowski is a reporter for some New York magazine and she is in Australia and while there she hears a report about a man who was who had his leg bitten off by a crocodile survived and made his way back to civilization from the outback and she wants to interview him the guy she's on the phone with in New York is like okay go ahead and they don't really make it clear but that's her like boyfriend back home so she goes on this adventure to meet Mick Crocodile Dundee, played by Paul Hogan, and it's so convoluted. She gets there, and it's Australia, so everything is just Australia. Murderous. It's, I mean, it's it, one one thing they don't really step into is that everything in Australia is designed to kill people, mm-hmm. and they don't really touch on that. Like at one point, they, they don't? go, uh, not really. Like there's oh. a there's like a poisonous snake and there are crocodiles and stuff, but like they don't go into like giant spiders, spiders, or or, or giant lizards and like you know like giant bugs and it's the reasons why I don't want to go. I would love to go to Australia, but at the same time I want to be in one of those glass bubbles from Jurassic World where I'm like, ooh, this is pretty. Don't touch me. Nobody, nothing <laughs> so, touch yeah, something me. Tells me. Something tells me that this is one reason Nick hasn't seen this movie till now. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> somewhere at least in the back of his mind when he's gone, should I see Crocodile Dundee? His mind's gone. There might be spiders it's in true. it. It's true. There could be spiders, yeah. So she goes out there and when she gets there, it's a long trip involving like a plane and the guy that Paul Hogan works with is like this kind of a con man, but he's a nice guy. And she gets there. He shows up at this bar, which is like the grossest bar ever. And he is the grotiest, greasiest, most disgusting looking person you've ever seen. He's just so he's oozing with slime and sweat and just looks like beer is coming out of his pores. And she goes up to talk to him and she goes, Fosters. I thought <laughs> she goes up to talk to him and she goes, I thought a crocodile bit your leg off. And he goes, no, it just kind of bit me a little bit. And he pulls up his leg and he's just got like the beginnings of scar tissue on his leg from where a crocodile like bit. Like he, he got attacked by a crocodile, but it didn't bite his leg off. Uh-huh. And she is not furious because the guy that she's been in contact about this whole thing is like, oh yeah, he, this all definitely happened. And she's like, okay, because I'm out here for this exclusive interview with this guy and it's costing my company a lot of money and it's costing me a lot of my time. So I hope everything's on the up and up. And then when she gets there and she finds out, oh, he's just kind of a dirt bag who got bit by a crocodile. That just happens all the time. <laughs> and and she doesn't seem to care. Like she's kind of, she's kind of taken aback by how rough around the dirt, edges dirty. he is. But yeah, how dirty he is, but he seems, uh, he's a man of the people. The, Australian rednecks, I don't know what what else to refer to them as, in the bar, love him and he loves them back. And she's like, oh, what a quaint and attractive people. And she's just like, all right, this is great. And then she proceeds to go on like a three or four day hike with Crocodile Dundee through the outback to where 
the incident took place. And that's the majority. Wait, wait. That was part of the plan is to to go on a th- a three day hike with a guy who just lost his leg. Yeah, that was the plan. I, I don't understand. Like, like where this movie has no plot whatsoever. It's it seems like they were just making it up on the spot. And while they're out on their adventure, at one point he's kind of sexist against women a little bit where he's like a woman couldn't survive in the outback and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll show you." And she just kind of goes off on her own and then he follows her in the shadows and then because she's a woman, she has to strip down to a bathing suit to take a to take a bath in the water and a crocodile, uh, the largest crocodile in the world attacks her. And so he jumps out of a tree and stabs it in the head and saves her life. And then she falls in love with him, basically. It's uh, all adrenaline. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> she's she's confused about what she feels. <laughs> it's like that uh, take a girl on a roller coaster to make her fall in love with you thing. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to say that to molest Reese Witherspoon. I, I just heard a review of fear. Not that I was going to say, anyway. I was gonna say, is that fear? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that where he hits himself in the chest over and over again? Uh, that sounds right. That roller coaster scene was cool. And uh, I haven't seen that movie in probably over two decades. I, I really, as I was listening to the review, I was laughing because the, the people reviewing are funny. Again, I hate it, but I love it. Check was that it like Mark Wahlberg's first movie? I think so. I think so. But as they're going through the movie, I'm like, man, I don't remember a lot of this stuff. I think I didn't even realize it was Reese Witherspoon. I, I think I remember what was in the preview. It was just like him screaming through a a peak hole yeah that's what i was gonna say i remember three things about that movie the roller coaster him punching himself in the chest and then like yelling through a like a big peephole yeah and that's it that's all i remember anyway back to crocodile back to crocodile dundee basically by the end of their journey Mm -hmm. they're fast friends and she goes hey you know what would be funny and entertaining for me to take you a sequel let's take you fish and take you out of water and take you to the New York City. So then the second half of the movie starts. Mick, oh wait, that's in the same movie? Oh yeah. Yeah, this oh, is, I thought you were saying this is at the end. This is halfway through where he goes oh, to New that's, York. That's right cuz the that's not a knife. This is a knife thing happens in the first movie. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. Oh boy. And so he comes to New York and it's as if no one, in, like you said, no one in New York has ever seen or heard of Australia before. And he has never heard of New York City. Now, he's like a country kind of an outback bumpkin, for, for lack of a better word. Good question. Yes. Sorry to interrupt, but is Paul Hogan actually Australian? Yeah. Okay. And as I say I don't that, know that I've a- ever seen him in anything other than Crocodile Dundee. I don't know that he was in anything but Crocodile Dundee. He was born in Australia. Yeah. Ooh, he doesn't look so great now, although he's been in a bunch of stuff. Take that, Paul Hogan. The very excellent Mr. Dundee from 2020. What? What? So apparently there's a comedy coming out called The Very Excellent Mr. Dundee that comes out at the end of April. And the plot summary is Paul Hogan is reluctantly thrust back into the spotlight as he desperately attempts to restore his sullied reputation on the eve of being knighted. Hmm. A Hemsworth is in this, and Chevy Chase. I don't even... I, I'm, I just looked him up on IMDb, and I'm not seeing... 
and anything. And Olivia Newton-John. I He's see like, he was in Tourism Australia. Dundee, the son of a legend, returns home 2018. <laughs> so anyway, he gets to New York yeah. and it's a real fish out of water where it's real Reagan era New York City with like, Wall Street is, is huge. Everything is greed. Everyone in New And it's everyone in New York is very mean and... Uh, not polite and also everyone is transgender and this movie has a whole lot of transgender homophobic stuff in it mm. and again i've said it before but like the show we both like uh the other podcast we hate movies they often say gay panic movies where mm -hmm. this movie has a lot of that where paul hogan's not afraid of gay people but at one point a woman or a man dressed like a woman is trying to sleep with him and he has never experienced this before. And someone like tries to warn him and say, you know, that's a guy, right? And he's like, what a guy. Well, why is he dressed like a woman? And they're like, that's his thing. He's into that. And he goes, huh? And he goes over and he just kind of grabs his dick and, and he goes, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, this is a guy. And I'm, and I'm just like, this is assault. Like that's, that's assault. Yeah, Paul that's, Hogan. That's, that's not proper. You know, I mean, if it wasn't a guy, I mean, I know the president says you can just grab them by their genitals, but that's not real. And you can't yeah, just grab a dude by the balls too. And it's just like, he's cavalier about it. And he's like, there's like this innocence about it, but at the same time, still assault. You still grabbed a person by their privates instead of just saying, Hey, are you a dude? And yeah, you totally violated them. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's pretty uncomfortable, and there are a lot of moments like that. There are at least, uh, I want to say, three transgender people in this movie, and each one of them, there's a moment where he grabs their junk, because that's how really? he- Really? Yeah. Anytime he comes across a woman and he's not sure if it's a man or not, he just grabs him by the junk, and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing, fella? And he's like, he's not like disgusted or anything like that, but it's still, still assault. And uh, so that's uncomfortable. And yeah. it, the other thing about this movie is that it feels like, like I said, it's from 1986, but it feels like it was made in 1980. It has this look and feel of early 80s and the fashion, like it's 80s fashion and you're just like, gross. I'm so glad we grew up when we did because one, everything looks like it smells like vodka and cigarettes again i think i said that in a, mm -hmm. in a different movie but everything just looks like it's covered in cigarette smoke and that's gross to me and like just just the how everything just must smell so there's that and then uh so he's fallen in love with linda kozalski and she's falling in love with him but at the same time she's engaged she's about to be engaged to the guy from her magazine who is like the editor and is inheriting the magazine from her father her dad owns the and magazine and he's gotta be a jerk total jerk or someone who yeah, okay total jerk total 80s jerk too where he's got like really bad hair he's kind of overweight and it's like when you you look at him you're like you would only be successful in this decade <laughs> as far as as far as whatever you're trying to do with this look it's there's no way that you could succeed in any other decade like the hair on this guy where he's clearly balding but he's still got like the partial mullet that late 80s kind of mullet like the pre-mullet kind of thing mm -hmm. almost seinfeld kind of look oh god and he is like all over this girl and Dundee is like, okay, yeah, that's your man. 
whatever you're going to do. And then the guy is just incessantly rude to Paul Hogan. But at one point, they all go to this fancy restaurant and the douchey guy can speak Italian and the menu is in Italian and he's speaking Italian to the waiter. And he goes, well, perhaps I should order food for all of us because <laughs> Mick, you, you clearly can't speak Italian, right? And Crocodile Dundee is like, no, I can't speak Italian. And he goes, <laughs> imbecile and so gives him the menu and he goes go ahead try to order food and crocodile dundee's looking at the menu and he's like i i don't speak italian i don't know what any of this stuff says and he goes i'll just have what that guy's having over there that looks like spaghetti i'll have some of that and then the guy laughs at him and crocodile dundee says hey look at that over there and they all turn their heads and then he grabs the guy and there's this weird cut where what's implied is that he punches him in the face and like knocks him out but they don't show it there's just the sound effect and they just like cut behind dundee's back and the guy is just kind of wasted like he's pretty drunk which is one of the reasons why he's being a total ass but dundee punches him in the face and then they're like okay let's go and then they they all get into a cab and drive home and the guy is in the cab and it's like he had seven shots of it's the 80s so vodka and he's just in the back of the car and he's like i can't believe you punched me Ooh. and he goes well you're acting like a right asshole and he's the lady's like yeah he may have been an asshole but that doesn't mean you get to punch him and he's like eh, it's over with i punched him it's done and then they just say good night and then the next day everyone just get back together it's just a series of scenes that make no sense and then the movie the movie just ends too at the end of the movie it's like building up to this i don't want to say a confrontation but basically the the linda kozlowski has to choose between the douchey guy and crocodile dundee and mm. i guess who she goes with probably crocodile dundee that's right she goes with spoiler alert she goes with crocodile dundee because <laughs> we know that there are sequels that she is in you and know how many sequels there are at least two well there's a thing you were talking about that doesn't pop up on imdb there's crocodile dundee 2 and if you didn't know about it there's a 2001 movie called crocodile dundee in los angeles uh-huh yeah, no, I know about that. And so this movie ends. Did you wait? Did you say that? I didn't, but I oh, said okay. I, I am aware of it. Because <laughs> I'm like somehow I missed that. I am completely unaware of this movie. Oh, I'm really? It was surprised. It was to see bomb. this in the list. And yeah. as this movie ends terribly, I said to my wife, "I was like, what have you done to us?" Because we were both, it's an, the movie is an hour and a half long and it feels like it's six hours long. And uh, I look at her and I'm like, you realize we have to watch all these movies now. And she goes, she's what? like, no, you don't. She's this like, is not a why? Rule. And I go, because I've seen the second one and now I need to make sure that I've seen it. And if I've seen the second one, I have to watch the third one. And she goes, oh God. So stand by for more Dundee. Yeah. I didn't like this movie. It's not, <laughs> it's not funny. You're, you're also going to have to go to the movie theater to see whatever it is that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I have to go to see it in Australia. The best part of this movie existing is that we got that Australia episode of the Simpsons, which where Bart prank calls Australia. And then they, they go there and there's just a bunch of basically they just rip off crocodile Dundee and Australia jokes. And I love that. At one point, Lionel Hutz is explaining to the Simpsons, like why, why they're so mad about Bart prank calling them. And they go, unfortunately, Bart, your little escapade could not have come at a worse time. 
Americo-Australian relations are at an all-time low. As I'm sure you remember, in the late 1980s, the U.S. experienced a short-lived infatuation with Australian culture. For some bizarre reason, the Aussies thought this would be a permanent thing. Of course, it wasn't. <laughs> and it clearly did. It's, it's ridiculous. And and the other thing that's really obnoxious about this movie is, like I said, the charm of Paul Hogan is pretty nice. But at the same time, the fact that he's trying to make himself, like he wrote this movie and was a huge part of developing it. It's as if you, Matt Lauer, we're going to yeah. make make a movie called Midwest Matt, the movie. Fat guy with a beard. And <laughs> in this movie, you play quintessential American Matt Lauer. Not the- uh-huh. Allegedly. Rapist one, but, the, but right. the psychologist one. And the hubris of you to make that movie where you are saying, this is what every Australian is and wants to be, and I am deciding right now what the stereotypical Australian will be is now. I have I have set it in stone. And I'm just like, wow, that is cocky. That is really cocky. Well, I don't know. You got me thinking about this now. Fat guys with beards are pretty common in America. <laughs> Maybe I am an everyday Joe. Hmm. <laughs> I think I have to write a movie for the Australians. I think you should. Hmm. I got, I'm a regular on a podcast. I got a beard. I'm white. <laughs> This practically writes itself. I can't figure out this poster. What is going on here? It looks like he's he's peeking out from between two hubcaps. I believe that is the New York City skyscrapers. And behind him is the Australian. I'm looking at it, too. And is the Australian outback. And Oh, he, those are buildings? Yeah. He's just sort he's of bending them? Bending them, looking over a, a New York City street. Oh. That's a stupid poster. But look how shiny he is and gross. It's <laughs> it's nasty. Well, you know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at Paul Hogan's filmography here, and he does have a couple other things that he was in Flipper. Now, I I never saw it. Is that the Elijah Wood I did, one? I, I, let me check. Um, I did used to watch the show when I was a kid, but I didn't. Yep, it's got Elijah Wood in it. Apparently, he's in that. And the other thing that I actually did know he was in, but I completely forgot existed, is a movie called Lightning Jack. What is that? That's a good question. I think some <laughs> sort of Australian Western. Yeah. Lightning Jack Kane is an Australian outlaw in the Wild West. I'm pretty sure you have to watch this one, too, now, if you're going to watch all the Crocodile Dundees. Is it part of the uh, Dundeeverse? Oh, my yeah. God. Cuba Good. Yeah. Oh, my God. I remember. I have the poster for this. <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember it, but you have a poster for I it. I do. I think it's up. I think I have it right above me in a, in a tube. I got this uh, from uh, the video place down poster. the street from my house. Now it's video scene. Oh. Uh, they used to give out their posters when they were done with them. I have this poster. Right. Holy crap. I never saw this. <laughs> you got the poster. You never saw the movie. Yeah. I think actually I had a few situations like that too, because my sister used to bring posters home from Blockbuster. I, at one point I had hanging over my bed a six foot banner of Judgment Night. <laughs> you loved Judgment Night. I did. Have you seen Judgment Night lately? No, I just remember the theme song. It's an interesting thing to go back to because uh, it's it's not entertaining. <laughs> you were all about that movie. <laughs> I was. Maybe, maybe it was because I had this huge banner. You know, there's like a an influence on me. This must be a great movie because I've got this huge banner over my Took the time to hang a banner. Bed, it's just brainwashing me into it. This is who I am now. Well, yeah. So that's all so I got. Is, is that a, it for Crocodile Dundee? I think so. 
I think that's it. All right. Oh, so I guess that means I'm up, huh? Yep. Fantasy Island. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're both reviewing uh, Parasite. We'll leave that for the end. Right? Means we will spoil um, it. Yeah. So I tried looking up here, like what the previews were before Fantasy Island, because I know I did catch one or two, and one of them was something new, and I was kind of interested in seeing it, like a horror movie. But now I can't remember what it was. Yeah, and there was one for that Vin Diesel movie that's coming out that just looks terrible. When you said you saw a movie, I thought you were going to say you saw the Invisible Man movie, and that, that came movie out just last night. Oh, did it? It just came out. I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, apparently it's getting rave reviews or great reviews. I was on my way home from seeing uh, the the radio show Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me recorded. Oh. And I was at the grocery store picking up. What was I getting? I was getting a little bit of ice cream. And uh, and I Halo Top, you know, like the ice cream that doesn't have many calories. It's not quite ice cream, but it's good enough. It's just um, foam. You never had it? No. Try Maybe it we'll out that, sometime. Maybe it's, we'll get that sweet Halo a, Top sponsorship oh yeah oh yeah it's it's great <laughs> no that's <laughs> Anyway, so while I was there, I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe I can check and see what's playing. I'll, I'll get one more movie in. And I was like 10 minutes late for the beginning of that. And oh. I was disappointed because I actually, I do want to see it. So I'm, I'm glad to hear it's getting good reviews. Because I just found this out. We're just going to keep talking about mm-hmm. this movie no one saw. And uh, yeah. But apparently it's like a continuation from the, like that The Mummy movie. Like, it's not just the the Invisible Man movie. It's like the Invisible Man from Universal Pictures. It's oh. Of, they're still doing that dark this universe thing. This is the dark thing. universe thing? Yeah. But they're, huh. they decided to go low-key with it instead of, like, the big mummy movie. Oh, instead of associating it with a movie that nobody liked? Right. They're just going to make, okay. like, $10 million horror movies and hope for the best, which is what they should Well, and this do, one looks but... a bit more horror-y yeah but i was i was kind of taken up i was like oh okay well then that's that's a whole different bag like i thought it was just like a crappy horror movie with a similar title but it's literally the it's a remake of that old time me movie so neat okay well interesting there's also a movie out right now called the lodge that's a horror movie that doesn't seem to be playing at every place so i might catch that but instead this weekend i caught fantasy island oh so the preview pretty much tells you what's going on here. I mean, there are twists and turns, maybe a, a few too many. But overall, the idea is people fly to this island and you don't actually see it happen, but they're sort of briefed before they get there with some sort of questionnaire to decide what their fantasy is. And then the island creates this fantasy for them so they get to live it out. And the question of whether or not it's like, is this really happening or is this some sort of like temporary thing, some kind of show that's being put on for me is sort of questionable. And oh, so you got a handful of people. This is one of those movies that's got a lot of cast that's just like, I'm the one who dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy that. So at the very beginning, it's like, oh, Here's this girl who's very, very sexually forward and horny. Here's this guy who, uh, I don't even know if he's, he, he's there because he wants to play a military guy. He's like, I want to, I want to play Call of Duty in real life. Uh-huh. There's a woman who. Oh, so the, the first girl's not a horny girl. She just wants to be one. No, no. She, she's a horny girl. She, she actually is the one that in the preview says, Oh, I, I want to get revenge on my high school bully. Oh, the, the blonde girl. That's like the lead. Yeah. 
Okay. But she's not exactly the lead. I'm not sure there is much of a lead, but there is a character played by Maggie Q. She's upset that she she didn't say yes to a proposal with a boyfriend long ago, or maybe like five years ago or something like that. And so that's kind of her fantasy. And then there are these two douchebag brothers who are just, oh God, they're they're annoying. They're super douchey. They seem to have this like, hey, we're so funny. And it, you're, you, I don't think you're actually supposed to think they are funny, but it's just annoying. And so anyway, you've got these this group of people and, and they each have their own thing. It's kind of like a Shyamalan movie where everyone's got a quirk. Everyone's and, a caricature. Yeah. Yeah. Then the movie proceeds and it's one of those monkey's paw type things where it's like you're getting what you wish, but it's not going to go exactly how you want. And Michael Pena is like the the guy who runs the island and he sort of says that to the people. He's like, it has to play out. They, I mean, he says this like 800 times. It has to play out until it's its final conclusion it may not be exactly what you want and i just gotta say while i'm talking about him he's he's awful he does not care that he is there oh Um, really yeah the budget of this movie it looked like it was like seven million (laughs) dollars So maybe he wasn't getting paid enough to feel excited about it, but he's just phoning it right on in. Maybe it's just a poor casting match. Like maybe he just doesn't belong playing this character, but it it really doesn't work. And there's nothing funny about it or anything either. So if you're like a Michael Pena fan, you're not going to get anything out of this. Oh, that's Um, disappointing. Yeah, I I don't really know him that well, so it didn't really disappoint me much. But I know people do like him, and I'm like, yeah. He's great in those Ant-Man movies. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, don't go see this for him if you just want to see a bad movie where lots of stuff is happening lots of stuff like there's always something happening then this may be your jam there is a little bit of enjoyable like imagery here and there but for the most part everything is it's not completely lazy but it's not exactly tongue-in-cheek either where it's got like a kind of intelligent humor to it it's just really like a it's it's a good c and and everyone talking in this movie is like just throughout the entire movie they're like this is who i am here is what i want these are my motives <laughs> this mm-hmm. is the, this is the description of my character and i'm telling you it instead of just being it and everyone's annoying there's there's really nobody to like there's nobody to get behind i th- i think the maggie q character is is the main character if there is one because she has a little bit more screen time and she's not actively annoying actively <laughs> but she, but but still it's just like yeah i don't really care about your story and you're kind of annoying and none of the rules here seem to go together anyway because there are moments where people are like well this isn't my fantasy my fantasy is something else and it's like the island doesn't care and then it's like well wait a minute okay fine well the island will grant you some change and it's like why 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 is this not consistent and then the end is like three twists and they're all silly when i finally got out of the movie theater and it probably doesn't help that while we were there we were were having a pretty bad experience because there were a lot of obnoxious people at this show but as we were like getting out of the parking lot or whatever i was like so uh so karina what'd you think and she kind of paused and was like well uh it was like it's kind of mildly fun garbage wasn't it she's like yeah that's about right mildly fun garbage okay so is it like are the kills at least creative where you're like oh neat no 
No. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to think of how many people actually died. Not really. No. There are ways that things kind of interact or intersect where one person's story will be going on and kind of cross over another one. And it's one of those things where it's like, I think this is supposed to be creative and intriguing, but it's it's not really. It, it, it doesn't hang together enough for those things to be exciting. Or, or really interesting. Don't want to say too much about the end, because in case you do watch it, it would be a pretty big spoiler. But there is something that ties together a bit more. It's dumb, but it ties things together a bit more in terms of like backstory and stuff. And that's still actually still not all that interesting. So, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I'll probably end up skipping this then. Because if, if you and Jill, you know, once it's on video, if you and Jill are looking for something dumb, you might find it kind of enjoyable. Okay. So so, like I said, mildly entertaining. Garbage. Garbage. Definitely definitely garbage. Yeah. Mildly entertaining. Okay. All right. Well, that brings me to the second movie I will discuss, entitled mm-hmm. Superman, Red Sun, from 2020. It is directed by Sam Liu, who is a nightmare, although this may have been his crowning achievement, which isn't saying much. Hmm. Uh, it is based on the graphic novel uh, written by Mark Miller or Millar, I don't know how you say it, but basically it tells a DC Universe Elseworld story where when Superman came to Earth, his spaceship crashed in the Soviet Union rather than Kansas in the... 30s or the 40s like whenever whenever he shows up i guess maybe the 20s i don't don't know whatever and he so he lands in the soviet union and rather than being raised by jonathan and martha kent and being kept a secret he's raised by stalin basically and the the soviet state like the lana lang whose name is svetlana she says you you have all these gifts and he's like a child and he's like picking up a tractor and he's like, look, I'm really strong. And she's like, you have to give your gifts to the state because it's Soviet Russia and no one has possessions. It's all full on communism. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay, that sounds great. And so then this is when the movie starts time jumping where we're just going forward in time. And sometimes it tells you what year it is and sometimes it doesn't. So the movie starts off in the the 20s or maybe even the teens but it ends in the 80s and and it gets very confusing as to what time period it is and when it does tell you the time period you can figure it out because at one point Kennedy is the president of the United States and you're like okay well this is the 60s why would you tell me this instead of the last mm-hmm. scene when it's in the 50s and I don't know when we are mm-hmm. but anyway superman is the great soviet superman and he's got all the powers and abilities that normal superman has but instead of being for truth justice and the american way he is uh for the soviet union i read this book a long time mm-hmm. ago and I, I don't really remember it and it's pretty good it's it's interesting and it's it's an it's a neat thought experiment kind of thing but when you try to tell the story it kind of it gets all jumbled up because they got to cram in all the other dc stuff into it like mm-hmm. wonder woman is in this batman is in this but it's russian batman and uh-huh. there's green lantern is also in this which i think they just added for the movie i don't remember that being in the book but i could be wrong so so it's not just that Superman landed in Russia. It's that the whole DC universe is happening in Russia. Exactly. Okay. And Wonder Woman is still from Themyscira, 
but she's linked up with Superman. Like they're not married or anything, but they, they kind of team up because he wants a better world and the Soviet way is his way. And also he is voiced, Superman is voiced by Jason Patrick doing a terrible Russian accent. So you got that uh-huh. to look forward to. But basically Superman's going around t- talking about how great the Soviet Union is and he's having meetings with Stalin and blah, blah, blah. And then a satellite or something is going to crash into Metropolis and Lois Lane is married to Lex Luthor who works for the US government and he has ordered this to happen but he's hoping that Superman will swoop in to save the day so Superman does he flies in saves the city from getting smashed by this big satellite bomb or whatever it is and then he lectures America about capitalism and how bad it is and how we're slaves to our capitalist masters. And then Lois Lane is able to get over there and she goes, how about an interview, Superman? And he goes, the enemy of the people, the press. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is where we're going with this. And she's like, yeah, unless you're not brave enough. So then they have like this interview. And while they're having their interview, Lois Lane gives Superman some attitude about, you talk about how happy the Soviet people are, blah, blah, blah. But what about the treatment of political dissidents, the gulags, the torture and all that stuff? And he looks at her like, what are you talking about? That's not a thing. And she goes, it's totally a thing. And she's also smoking because it's the fifties. And he says, you shouldn't smoke. It's bad for you. And she goes, these are the cigarettes my doctor smokes. And, uh, yeah. What? Yeah. Cause you know, smoking's good it's for just you. just a reference. Yeah. Gotcha. So she gives Superman this file that has like detailed information about Soviet horrors and Superman gives her a look and then he hands her back the file and then he just takes off and he goes to this underground gulag where political dissidents are being enforced labor camps and he rescues everyone and he finds his friend Svetlana and she dies in his arms but she's happy she got to see the sun one more time and Superman's pissed off so he goes to see Stalin and he says why are you doing this and he goes you'll understand when you are in power that the only way to maintain power is is through absolute authority and you can't have anybody talking shit on you or disagreeing with you it's just not going to work and Superman's like well I don't agree with that and Stalin is like well you're little baby you don't understand anything and then superman kills him he blows him apart with his heat vision and then he assumes power in the soviet union and then proceeds to conquer all of eastern europe basically he's bringing freedom and communism to everyone and at first and this is where the story is pretty interesting where he wants to do good he wants people to live in peace and he wants people to be free and happy But Mm -hmm. like all dictators or all like the absolute power will corrupt. Absolutely. No matter who you are, there will always be someone who doesn't agree with you. And Mm -hmm. and Superman does not care for that. And so slowly as the years go on, he becomes more and more totalitarian to the point where he has people's brains rewired if they disagree with him. (laughs) And he thinks he calls it mercy. He goes, well, it's not a work camp. He's like, they're not trapped underground working in mines. And he's having this argument with Wonder Woman. And she's like, yeah, but you still have robots going into their brains to control their thoughts. And he goes, well, isn't that better? He's like, I think think if you had the choice of the two, you'd go with the robot brains. (laughs) I mean, it's a good point, but 
but you're missing the point, Superman. Mm. Oh, also, at one point, we meet young Bruce Wayne, and he lives in an underground gulag, and he's like, you can hear a leaf fall a thousand miles away, but you couldn't hear our cries for help in this gulag? And Superman's like, no, I couldn't. And, Super- and Batman's like, oh, yeah? Well, I got all these bats behind me. Guess who I am? I'm, I'm Batman. And and then later he shows up, and it, he's the Batman, but he he's fighting for political independence from Superman. He's a, he's a political dissident fighting Superman's totalitarian regime. And mm-hmm. he's just a terrorist basically, but he he's dressed like Batman, but he's, he carries a gun and he has like one of those Russian hats with the bat ears coming out of the top of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's kind of, it's pretty corny, but it looks kind of cool, but like the execution is not very great and it's not a very good character. And all along this Lex Luthor is working in America. Lex Luthor's like a good ish guy where he's trying to help the United States overcome the Superman problem. Like at one point they clone Superman and it turns into like this weird bizarro monster. And that was kind of a cool scene but then it like goes on for too long. And the way you're able to tell that time has passed is that he slowly loses all of his hair. <laughs> it's, that's okay. pretty good. So I won't spoil the whole movie for, for everybody, but, but it is an interesting thought experiment and an, and an interesting concept, if pretty flawed execution wise. And as uh-huh. far as the DC comics animated movies go, this is one of the better ones, but there are still plenty of eye rolling moments and moments where you go, well, they could have really dived into this part of the story a little more like giving it a little more teeth or Mm -hmm. grit instead it just stays kind of on the outskirts of everything where where it's like especially at the beginning where superman is completely in the dark about the evils of the soviet union like how terrible and all the people that died i think it would have been more interesting if he was aware of all that and was just going along with it it would have made Mm -hmm. a little more sense for that and then he just turns on stalin because he is more powerful than him anyway rather than him Mm -hmm. being like this innocent child kind of a character and then turning on him and assuming power he should just it should just be a coup where he says we're not doing these things your way anymore we're going to do them my way so mm-hmm. it, it kind of takes the easy way out whenever it can and the end of the movie is a disaster it's it's terrible the way it ends but like i said it's it's an interesting thing to think about it's pretty cool the animation is like that sheepish dc animation movie the voice acting is shaky at best but it is one of the better ones so if you're looking for like a neat story i i'd say check it out it's it's not the worst one it's not the best one but it's probably above the middle okay yeah and i guess that brings us to the big movie of the year entitled gisang shung that's its original title i don't speak korean so i guess that's the translation to parasite in english it's called parasite (laughs) right so since matt and i have both seen this movie from 2019 and directed by Bong Joon-ho. We are going to spoil this movie, but I guess before we do that, Matt, would you like to do general impressions? Overall, I think it's a very interesting movie and it's worth seeing, so I'd recommend it. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that. It's definitely not what I expected. I expected a horror movie, honestly. I thought this was a a horror movie. and it's Uh, You know, see, that's funny. I was expecting more of a... uh, And I got to stop expecting this from movies because it really let me down with The Good Liar. I was expecting something a little bit more comedic 
Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's a movie that has a lot of class structure themes, and I thought it was going to be a bit more lighthearted of a movie that that addressed those those things. There is some humor in it, but I thought it was a bit more of a comedy. So I was surprised too. Yeah, but I would say I recommend checking it out. It is very interesting. It's very long. I would say that like that first half of the movie feels like it's four hours. But I I, I felt like it was a bit long too. I think the um the kind of dynamic flow of it is a little bit different from the typical sort of three act structure with if you were to draw a line that has the rising and falling of action it'd be a bit flatter of a shape yeah with and a spike towards the end yeah unbelievable spike towards the end and uh also uh, it's it's a south korean movie so it's not a, a, like you said an american style movie and so they spend more time like there's a lot of character in this movie and it's not so much plot yeah like the plot kind of develops with the characters which is which is kind of interesting but overall i'd say check it out uh, and matt would agree so from here on out spoilers we need like a some we need some theme music for spoiler sections didn't you didn't you do one once i lost that track huh it's gone spoilers i was just making sure i uh i use something that's in the public domain so all right so where should we start where should we start i guess i'll start since we're in the spoiler section we could do a pretty easy overview of the plot that's, that's true too hard why don't you take it matt okay so there's a very very like the the huge gap between the lower class and the upper class that we have here is is maximized even more in South Korea and I don't I don't mean to interrupt you in your first sentence but that's one of this movie has a lot of culture shock in it and i i'm gonna say i think everything i know about south korea i now know from this movie and because i don't think i've seen many other southern south korean movies or movies that take yeah, place I, there i really don't know anything about south korea and I, it seems like they have a real strong or ingrained caste system where you got your lower class, your middle class, and your upper class, and the upper class are better than the lower class. And that's like a lot of the culture shock of this movie, for me at least, was the very wealthy tolerate the poor kind of a thing where, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with that, but but that's one thing like to, to know going into it. And then the, your main characters are very, they're very poor, but they're also like trash. Uh, I don't know what I, at one point I said to my wife, I was like, are these the Southern, South Korean equivalent of trailer trash people? Is, is that what we're going for here? And I couldn't really get a good answer on that. Well, I, you know, I think we'll come back to it in a second because I've got some thoughts and questions around that too. Okay. But basically what happens is this, the family that we we are following the teenage boy has a friend who seems to be more in this upper class and has some connections is it I, i wasn't sure maybe but he basically this friend that's well off is like hey look i'm gonna be going away for a while i think we can help you get out of your squalor by pretending you are like me you you go to the schools i go to etc and you can teach the young lady who is in this rich family and so what happens there is he gets this job tutoring her and then one by one he and his family trick the rich family into hiring each of the other members of his family so suddenly it does it does seem to happen pretty quickly it's like each 
every couple days they hire one of the family members. So he, his sister, his mom, and his dad are all working for this rich family. And that's the premise of the movie for the most part until, I don't know, maybe the it's almost middle of the through. second act or yeah. yeah, that they discover that there's already the, one of the people they displaced, the, the role that the mom takes is like the house housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And, the original housekeeper had her husband in the basement because they're poor. And there's this like special basement that the family doesn't know about. It's like a fallout sheltered in the basement. Yeah. And so there's this conflict between them and it gets really out of hand. And throughout the eh, second half of the movie, the father in this like con artist family is becoming more irritated with the kind of way that the rich people talk down about the lower class. And like this, there's this theme of smell and that you can smell the lower class and a lot of different ragey things happen in the very last little bit i guess it's not the very last little bit because then the story keeps going on after that yeah that's Um, basically the end so the original housekeeper ends up dying getting killed by the family basically the husband that was in the basement comes out and kills he attacks the son kills the daughter and then the dad kills the rich people and then runs away well he like the last straw for the dad is the dad's daughter's bleeding to death on the lawn and the rich guy's son is having a seizure and they have like 15 minutes to get him to the hospital and the rich guy is demanding the dad to drive him or give him the keys to the car to get the kid to the hospital while he's trying to hold the blood in this girl on the ground and I guess that's like the last straw for him is that, that my daughter is dying right here and you're screaming at me about car keys and then he like throws them the crazy old man from the basement lands on top of the keys and then he this guy has been in this basement for like four years without a bath so he smells but doesn't have a beard and he like moves him to get the keys and he's like oh so stinky and he picks up the keys and the dad's like i am sick to death of hearing about how gross poor people smell and just gets up and stabs this rich guy in the heart (laughs) and then that's like basically the end of the movie more stuff happens but Almost. Yeah, because then it's like, okay, wait, the son didn't die. And then he's hearing messages or seeing these messages because he happens to be there. Uh, he he figures out that his dad's living in the basement still. And I don't know if any and, of that stuff happened. Like, at the whole end of the movie, yeah. I can't decide if it's real or not. Because his the son goes through some real tra- traumatic brain damage and brain surgery. Yeah. And I'm not even sure if the mother is alive at the end. But I think that's I think that's a fair question. I kind of took the he's in the basement making these messages thing at face value, mm-hmm. although it it does seem very far fetched. Like as it was happening, I was like, this is this is really weird. Yeah. Um. So if you were to say it's happening in his head, I'm, I might almost prefer that. But there there is a lot of stuff that definitely is in his head. It's like, oh, we're going to get a bunch of money and then we're going to come buy the house and then we'll free you. And it's just like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this, yeah. We're just going to get rich all of a sudden thing. Yeah, there's like a flash. There's like a flash forward thing where he just decides to have money. And I'm like, the hell's going on right now? And then it cuts back to just him in the basement, their basement apartment. And he's just reading a note or something. And you're like, oh, that's his wish. Oh, now I'm sad. (laughs) And and you're like, oh, okay. But the title of the the movie. Yeah, that's the plot. So the title of the movie is Parasite. Who do you feel 
are the parasites, Matt? I mean, I think all overall, it's it's probably suggesting that the rich people are living off of all the poor people, and therefore they're the parasites. Oh, I, you know, I didn't put that. I didn't even come to that conclusion at all. I was just kind of like the old man in the basement was the parasite. He's been living off of everybody without anyone knowing. Like that's like a real successful parasite is the one you don't know you have. Mm. But no, oh, that's an interesting thought. That turns it all the way around. I like that. This movie takes for ever to get going though it's really the beginning hour or so is very is very slow and i really couldn't get a grasp on what was happening and it may have just been the subtitles that i was reading like perhaps the subtitles weren't great but it was tough to kind of follow what was going on and all that stuff like that but for the most part i was able to follow the story and thought it was very compelling but the beginning was really long we we almost turned it off because we were like oh this isn't going to be over till after 11 o'clock. Thankfully, we stuck with it and were able to watch the whole thing because it does get much better. But I found the beginning to be very tedious. I remember it being very very steady and even keeled and some of the way i experienced it might have been quite different because i was expecting it to be a movie about con artists where people were outsmarting each other for some reason maybe some of the references were to the references i heard to people outsmarting each other or what i read that way maybe they were references to the people in the basement you know some sort of allusion to how there are these other people kind of competing to take advantage of this system in some way it seems like the wrong way to put it. But I was under the impression that this movie was going to be a lot of people trying to con each other. Maybe I just really want to see a movie where con artists con each other. <laughs> but so so as everything was playing out, I, I was pretty engaged and because I was expecting it to go somewhere. It took me a while to figure out that the movie is a lot simpler than I was expecting. You yeah. know, and that... that yeah. Really? Okay, it's just this family is uh, tricking people into hiring them. Oh, okay. All right. The other thing I don't get, and, and this mm-hmm. is the culture shock thing too, is I guess it's improper to hire multiple people from the same family. But I mean, I know they're all lying about who they are and their backgrounds and stuff. But I just feel like it would have been easier if they were just like, oh, you know, my sister, she is a, an art instructor because I'm very successful. She's also very successful kind of a thing. But then how does the mom and the dad, are they just yeah, like a car I, I driver and a, a housekeeper? So the yeah, social they've got structures, to remove people. Yeah. And probably it somehow seems more convincing if it's like, uh, oh, I have this person I can vouch for yeah. rather and, than like, oh, I'm going to tell you to hire my relative. Yeah. And it's always the new hire that recommends the next hire. Mm-hmm. So like the, the mom or the brother recommends the daughter, the daughter recommends the dad and the dad recommends the mom. And then they're all in the house and then the housekeeper who they have tried to kill many times <laughs> comes back and she's like oh yeah my husband lives in the in the sub basement i'm gonna go get wait, him. wait 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 what they tried to kill her before that well they like poison or they uh she's allergic to peaches which i didn't know was a thing and like they just oh, keep, they oh. keep doing that to her where where she just basically has an asthma attack and she almost dies yeah like, multiple they're, times yeah that's because they're trying to convince the mom the rich mom that she has tuberculosis they're not trying right. to kill her yeah and that part when the dad all right. like tells her all this stuff over the phone about like oh i heard her say she has tuberculosis for the the i don't know if there's if i would call it fun but if there's anything in the movie where you're like oh that's clever 
You know, it's it's like how they kind of make these things happen. Mm-hmm. That one was a little disappointing, where the dad just out, outright lies and yeah. is like, oh, yeah, she has tuberculosis. I was like, oh, I, I, I kind of like the idea of doing these things in a way where the mom, even though she's wrong, you know, is like putting them together herself. You yeah. know, and going like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, oh, I she's found the thing. And then the-, the housekeeper thing was the least creative one. The way they get the dad in there is because the daughter hides her underwear in the car and the rich dad finds it and he's like I think the driver has been having sex in my car. And the, the rich dad's not upset that this man had sex in his car. He's upset that he had sex in the back seat of the car, which is where he sits. And the driver stays in the front. And the dad's very strict about not crossing lines and stuff. He's not really mad that the guy had sex in the car, but that he had sex in the back of the car. But not I, mad enough I didn't to bring it, it up. That way. Huh. I, I didn't think about it that way. But you're right. There is some conversation about like, oh, they did it in the back. I, I, I guess that is the part of the problem. Yeah. That's how they get the, the dad in there. And then it's it's pretty interesting. I did, I mean, until the final maybe half hour of the movie, I kept expecting it to turn into a horror movie. So mm. I was just waiting for that, especially when the mom is talking about the trauma that the son went through on his like birthday or something. And the kid's in the, the kitchen eating cake out of the, the fridge late at night. And the uh-huh. old man who lives in the basement comes up and you just see his scary ass eyes at the bottom of the steps. <laughs> that was awesome. I was like, oh, here comes my horror movie. This is what's going to happen now. And it was just like a traumatic thing for this kid. And, the, and I was like, oh, okay, that's it. And and then it just turns into kind of like a crime thing. But I don't know. I, I feel like part of my disappointment with this movie is on me because I expected it to be something else than it was. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the movie that I watched, while interesting and and pretty good, I don't think it was great. I just I just think this movie was pretty good. I don't think it was great. I also didn't have an experience of like greatness with it. I'm going to say that there's probably that's a pretty soft opinion in terms of like I know it's very different from the sort of cinema I'm used to and like you even though we had different expectations, it was very different from what my expectations were from what I was hoping for. I wouldn't exactly say that I was disappointed, but it, it, I was surprised. It was it was different from what I was I was thinking it would be. And there were things that I I, I think even even with all the differences, I can go, okay, I wish that had been a little bit smarter. Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 we were just talking about about the him just like lying to say the woman had tuberculosis. There were there were a handful of things where I was like, that could have been done a little bit more cleverly or a little bit more sharply tied together. Uh, can you um, imagine reaching into a trash can of someone who you suspect has tuberculosis and you pull out their, not Wyatt Earp, bloody rag. What's uh, Wyatt Earp's buddy? Doc Holliday. You pull out Doc Holliday's bloody tissue out of the trash can and you're like, ew. <laughs> and then like, ew. Disgusting. <laughs> and, uh, yes, gross. It's just so disgusting disgusting and then i did like that moment later where she's like did you wash your hands yet and he's like i don't know <laughs> i did like that so the movie the movie is funny like it has some real funny moments in it and the drama in it is pretty intense at times the sex scene with the mom with the rich mom and dad was very uncomfortable I was oh like, where they're on the couch yeah where they're on the couch and they're just like going at it and you're like um and they go under the table where the family's hiding and they're just kind of like oh this is weird and the dad's upset because they said he's smelly <laughs> they're like i could smell 
Mr. Kim, gross. <laughs> Mr. Kim's like, oh, I, am I stinky? And uh, Yeah, well, and then there's like this weird kind of perversion there, too, where they're like, do you have those stinky underwear from that poor girl who had sex in the back of our car, whoever that was? Yeah. And I'm like, this is this is going down a strange road that I hadn't anticipated. Yeah. And I Nothing- guess there are ideas like that that I kind of wanted fleshed out a little bit more. Like, I don't necessarily need more, like, sex scene, but, like, so, so I, I guess I wanted to get a little bit more into the heads of the, the rich family, too, because they're not, other than their responses to poor people and just shit that they want done you don't really understand their motives in their own world i you you hear allusions to like oh this guy doesn't really love his wife but he sort of tolerates her i guess but then in that sex scene i'm like oh okay so you know i I actually uh they seem to be on the same page with some sort of thing that's they seem like they're into each other like they're yeah i kind of want to know what what sort of understandings they have about each other and 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 have them be people a little bit more than just like kind of two-dimensional the uh the friend or the the cousin that gets the kid the job says that Mm -hmm. the mom is like simple and stupid or something yeah and yeah I, I didn't see that at all. And then when we're introduced to her, she's just kind of like narcoleptic or sleeping uh, to the point where the housekeeper has to like clap her hands to wake her up. And that never comes back at all. I don't think like we don't get any explanation as to what's going on with the mom or it just go- goes away. Yeah. Her, her like intelligence and her impairments or whatever they might be are not quite fleshed out i think it's just an easy way for them to be like hey you're going to be able to trick these people easily and i don't know that what that's i like i said i kind of wanted a movie where people were outsmarting each other so that that was a little bit disappointing anyway it's like okay anything they do is just gonna work yeah and that ends up not being the case because of this person that's you know downstairs but and i guess because like the family comes home which is just dumb you know, where I'm like, they're like, hey, we're all going to hang out at this house and just have this huge party. And I, I mean, I was already kind of thinking like, well, what if they came home? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like, then like do you see how, hey, like, we're I, on our way home. I said, that, like, look how hard it's raining. They're going to come home. Why didn't they think that? But they, they get sloppy. They get real sloppy real quick. Like at one point yeah. after the mom gets hired, the dad's like grabbing her ass as she walks by. And I'm like, you guys are getting sloppy with this. You've got it made. Right, just, just, just stay on target here. And they, they don't yeah like you said they get cocky and they blow it well um and one of the things that i think is really really good about this movie is the imagery the use of lighting oh it's gorgeous it it, well in some places it is you you get this really different feel when you're down in the slums which is like literally down it's like down like three thousand steps yeah that they have to go down to get down there yeah and i think the pacing of some of that stuff is pretty good too where you're like you know there's this discrepancy but then you see them like walking home from work and you're like oh god you know like you just see them kind of descend into this like squalor area that eventually gets flooded into being like people swimming in feces and yeah it's like they go in further and further down where the water is pooling up Mm -hmm. and And you can just kind of feel the smell and then when they do show the rich people's backyard when anytime they show the backyard you're like wow i feel like i'm breathing fresh air 
Mm-hmm. And so it's it really it does do a good job of making you feel the setting. And even when they are hanging out at the house, I'm going like, oh, you idiots, you're going to get yourself in trouble. I'm also going like, man, it must be such a vacation just to be able to be in that house without the family around and yeah. like, sit down on a nice a nice floor even, you know, right. and that imagery and the color and stuff, I think throughout the movie is really well done to set the atmosphere. So like there are some things that I think are maybe weaknesses or maybe I just didn't enjoy them as much about some of the writing, but when it comes to the imagery, it's it's really powerful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Getting back to the like the party that they have at the house that night, that whole scene goes on for forever, but it's interesting. Like the movie takes a lot of time to let these characters interact with each other and while i i wanted the movie to like move on i was like okay i get it we're we're all partying at the house there's they're making a giant mess the parents are definitely going to be coming home right why is this going on for so long and then th- that's when like the turn happens in the movie when the the original housekeeper shows up but the mess that they make and are unable to clean up is still there the next day when this big party is happening and, and the mom hasn't had time to clean any of this crap up and i'm just like no one notices this mess you know it's just how just i don't know i i found a lot of the movie unbelievable but the movie you know the movie's got to happen but some of it is un, is really believable and that's what makes the unbelievable stuff really stand out to me where i'm just like it gets a little cartoonish and then and yeah. then when that lady falls down when the old lady falls down the stairs and smashes her head that's very visceral like it's, it goes from like this cartoonish party to this very real head injury and then later when the old man in the basement hits the kid in the head with the money rock or whatever like that was yeah awesome like that was an amazing looking special effect however they did that like i'm sure it's not as that complicated but it looked so good like the kids leg Mm -hmm. twitches and stuff i was like oh man like i felt that hit i was blown away coming back to something you said at the very beginning about like this family being trash I don't know. Like, I I definitely wanted to... I I wanted to have more characters I liked. I wanted them to be... Even if they're swindling, you know, and and even if they're kind of cheating, I might have enjoyed it more. And I guess it's not really all about enjoying it, so that's fine. If they were, I don't know, a little bit more conscious of other people. Like, they don't really seem to have much empathy for this couple that they discover that they've screwed over. You know, with the husband in the basement and the the woman who they got kicked out of her job. And... I don't know. She's not particularly likable either. I'm like, okay, I get you're you're here to take care of your husband, but there's there's no hmm, there just really aren't many pleasant interactions. And with the family, I'm like, I want to at least really like how this family interacts with each other. And here and there is there's like there are just maybe slight glimpses of it, but for the most part I'm just like, man, I really don't like anybody here. Yeah. And when it comes to them like tricking their way into these jobs, I'm like, I, I there's something about where I'm like, it would be, I guess, nicer, and maybe that's not what it's about at all. But if if it were not just about uncaringly displacing other people, I don't get the feeling that they're supposed to be trash, however. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get the feeling that it's supposed to be something like... Now, I don't, I've don't. i only seen bits and pieces of this show, but uh, Shameless. Uh-huh. You know, I don't get the sense that it's supposed to be the... I don't know. Like, what I guess, I guess, I guess you might refer to as like trailer trash or something. I feel more like they're just supposed to be in a crappy position not that they're supposed to be this garbagey 
family. But then at the same time, they do some really kind of heartless things too. And so I don't know. I, I, I guess when I'm in a situation like that, and there's like some of the ambiguity that's there and some things that may not just be translating for me real well. My tendency is to think of it more as a, the, that it's not, it's less about the characters and it's more about the situation. You know, it's just trying to, it's trying to show you stuff about the system. Yeah. Um, so I don't know exactly what the family is supposed to be or what the writers or the director is hoping we feel about them. And I guess there's a part of me that, that wishes that was a little clearer. I, I definitely do just as a viewer. I, I feel like I would have liked to have some characters I like more. I kind of like the sister and that might be about <laughs> I feel bad for the girl that he's teaching because she's just like falling in love with her tutor again and I'm like what's up with this girl like is she just yeah. sort of in this weird like is, is this saying something about sexism in the country too or something that it's just like hey this is kind of all you are you're just this girl who's going to be taught stuff and teenage girl in South Korea doesn't really have much to do other than falling over her tutor I, I don't know I don't know what's implied there and, and if there is stuff that that is purposely meant to come across. Maybe it would if I wasn't like a white American male or something. I, I just don't really know. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I don't have a grounding point for myself with that kind of information. Yeah, so there, there might be some things in this movie that really are brilliant that I just don't have like the context to be able to pick up on them. Yeah, but as far as being an outsider and looking in on what I'm assuming is a real world situation, mm -hmm. uh, I felt like I learned a lot about South Korea, which is a, kind of a dumb thing to say, because if this is a fantasy movie where <laughs> it's not like this in South Korea, I'd feel embarrassed for having said that, but I have said it. <laughs> so, so, so either learn some things or... I've reinforced. We're really ignorant. <laughs> yeah. I'm more... At the very least, we can admit we don't know much. Yeah. The other thing is when the mom gets into the basement with the original housekeeper and she's like, oh, yeah, my husband's been down here for like a week and he hasn't had anything to eat. Here's a banana, you know. Why isn't the mom like, okay, well, get your shit and get out. You get your husband and get out of here and we'll just call it even. And the original housekeeper's like, I'll pay you money to, to keep bringing him food. And I mean, I guess that's the, the thing is that they're like, ooh, free money. We could do this. And like the, the greed inter, intersects there. But the, the problems that they make for themselves so quickly is, I mean, I know they're drunk and sloppy, but I was, I really just didn't believe the big twist of the movie. I was just like, just get her out of the house. Don't let her in. Yeah. Don't let her in in the first well, place. Yeah, that... I agree with <laughs> like, Hey, you know what? There's someone ringing the doorbell. Just don't answer. Oh, do they uh, ever explain what happened to her face? To like the, face? the original housekeeper is all banged up when she gets back to the, the house. And do they ever explain like what happened to her? Oh, I don't, I don't know that I even noticed really. Oh yeah. Cause uh, I mean, even her, like it looks like her face is all bloodied or, or swollen. And I don't know if it's because of peach related incidents or if she's just been living on the street and got into a fight that's the other thing that's unclear is that i guess she's living in the the rich people's house and when she gets fired she's homeless well and maybe that's why she's not taking her husband anywhere so yeah maybe she's just beat up from being on the street she did also say something about cutting out the cctv so i don't know maybe it was some work there too yeah. but yeah oh, i guess you know if she you was know living there probably is some indication of her living on the street well they say that loan sharks are looking for her husband so maybe they worked her over trying to find out where he is mm, but either way i guess we should wrap it up uh, well i'll say well, it's one too late we've wrapped it up you know alluding to like <laughs> 
What? No. Uh, the the thing about the things being cartoonish, I, I had a problem with this twist of the guy in the basement or the family in the basement because it comes out just from them falling down the steps. And I'm like, that's just dumb. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it seemed a little, I don't know, convenient. So there were a couple things like that where I'm like, I kind of wish that had been done a bit. Uh, found a different way to make it happen. Something that yeah. didn't seem fantastical or cartoonish or unintentionally humorous or something. Yeah, because it's not very funny, or at least well, to me. And, like, it and it's also it like, hey, you know what? The mom's the only one that's supposed to be here while she's down there with this housekeeper. Go hide the other crap. Yeah, go, go clean, clean up. up your mess. Yeah, don't sneak down the stairs. You can explore <clears throat> so, the hidden. Yeah. You can explore the hidden dungeon later. The jig is up. Let's clean up as best we can. You know, like, but they're they're all yeah. hammered drunk, so they're not thinking clearly. But I did like that. The next day, the mom is trying to. The rich mom's getting the poor mom to put together this party, and you can tell she's just hungover and hasn't slept. <laughs> She just looks at everyone just looks miserable. All right. Well, I think that's all I got on this movie. Have you before we get to our list? Uh, so this movie was voted as best picture for the Oscars. How do you right. feel about that decision? Because I think this is the first best picture movie we've talked about on the show. What other movies were up for best picture? I think the only other one that I saw was Joker. I think that was up for best picture. Oh, I'm, I'm fine with this being chosen over Joker. Really? I disagree. Yeah. I would have gone yeah. with Joker over this. No, I didn't really find anything about Joker particularly uh, creative. I don't think it was bad, but I didn't find it very creative. So this, uh, at least, um, like, this is pretty different. And, yeah, I think Joker was a well-put-together movie, but I, I'm not particularly impressed or anything. So I'm okay with it. No, oh, I would have gone with Joker just for the cinematography alone. I just loved the way the movie looked and then the acting. Like Joaquin Phoenix was so good in it. Not everybody was good. This movie, the acting is out of this world. Everybody's very yeah. good in this movie. So I'd, I guess I'd have to give the edge to Parasite for that. But as far as the look of the movie, I think I got to go with Joker. I definitely like the idea of there finally being more competition for, for these, you know, for like best picture than just standard American movies. Because I feel like the more these independent movies and movies from other countries start to get into the mix, the more competition there will be for better ideas. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I guess like the other thing is uh, the story for Parasite, I think is a better story than Joker. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to give a point to Parasite there. So I guess Parasite wins two to one. So well, I guess I agree good, with Parasite. Good, good job, Academy. <laughs> Might I, even watch it sometime, especially now that they don't have hosts. Uh, I'm still not going to watch it. I'll just I'm watch. I'll see highlights on the internet. I'm not watching four <laughs> it, hours. Of it'll people. probably. Oh, yeah. No, I'm definitely not just going to like sit down and have a Academy Awards party. But I, might, I might watch if to see the best picture chosen if there's a, you know, a year where I've seen most of the movies. Yeah. I might be interested in that. Yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that. Uh, I've never enjoyed the hosts, so I like I do like the idea, at least, of there not being hosts. I like some of those Billy Crystal ones, like his opening scene and stuff, but mm. they're pretty entertaining. I like the, the movie remashes where he like puts himself in the movies. Those are funny. All right, mm. so our movie ranking list. Yep. Uh, I'm going first. The first movie that's going to go up is Parasite into the new 27 spot in between The Mustang and Battleship Potemkin. I'm going to give it three and a half stars and a recommend. 
the next movie is going to be Superman Red Sun. And I'm going to give this movie two and a half stars. Pretty entertaining. And I would say check it out. Uh, I would give it a recommend. Um, And then the last movie that I saw was Crocodile Dundee. And (laughs) I'm going to give this movie... Boy, Aquaman is way higher on my list than I thought it was. It's like 15 from the bottom. How dare you? (laughs) It's still your bottom, isn't it? Uh, I think so. I'm going to put Crocodile Dundee above Lady Hawk. Actually, I'm going to move it up one more. (laughs) Yes. It's better than Arctic. I'm going to put it in between Angel Has Fallen and Arctic in the number 106 slot. And I'm going to give this movie one and a half stars. But uh, no, I don't recommend it. Don't don't watch Crocodile Dundee. Not a problem. All right. All right. I'm going to put Parasite in between 10 Cloverfield Lane and Ready or Not. Oh, into your new number 27 slot. Yeah, and I think I will. I think I'll give that three and a half stars as well. Would you recommend oh, it? Yeah, I would. Okay. Scrolling on down, mm-hmm. I'm going to put Fantasy Island between In the Tall Grass and The Evil Dead. Oh, okay. And I'm going to give it two stars, and God, I don't know whether to recommend this or not. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with I'm going to go with no. No, okay. It, 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 yeah, they're just, I would say, Nick, you, you might enjoy it as just a bad thing to sort of laugh at if you and Jill are looking for something crappy to, to rag on. That has enough going on to keep you entertained. Definitely check it out. Otherwise, you know, if you're looking for something good, don't. If you're looking for something, even if you're looking for something to like really laugh at, there's better stuff out there. So I won't recommend it overall. Okay. If you want to check out our lists, check out our website, thisweekinfilm.com. There you will find a link to our letterboxed page, which keeps our movie ranking list neat and tidy. The website itself is a disaster right now. So enjoy. And uh, But if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on all the social medias or send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you saw this week and we'll discuss it on the air. Matt, anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week? This week, I got nothing. Okay. Oh, wait. Actually, you know what? If there are any Chicago listeners and you can get a chance to see Drunken Shakespeare. Oh. Uh, I saw that last week. It was something that Karina and I went to, and it was a lot of fun. So, you get a chance, go check it out. What's the premise of that? Just Shakespeare drunk? It is. So, there are like five people, I think I think it was five people, performing some Shakespeare show. The one we were seeing was Macbeth. And one of the people, and, and it's, it's kind of like a mixture of Shakespeare and like whose line is it anyway. There's a lot of moments where they're not doing the show. They're making some sort of joke or reference that people in Shakespearean literature would know nothing of. Like uh-huh. referencing Justin Bieber or something. Right. Fair amount of interaction with the audience. And one of the characters, or one of the actors rather, is drinking the whole time. They have five shots before it starts. And then wow. throughout the show, there are people appointed to be like king and queen. And they take moments to go like, you know what? It's time for them to take another drink. So the guy that we saw who was drinking, it happened to be his birthday. And he had already done two shows that day. So he had been drinking quite a bit. Uh-huh. So still really it's just a lot of fun it's very lighthearted and kind of raunchy and cool and and there were some moments where they'd be like pause shakespeare challenge and they'd throw something at the guy and he would like recite some monologue or something and he'd be like wow this is kind of fun because it seems like these people could just be goofing around and then it's like oh no they've got some real shakespearean chops in them too but good entertaining time all right that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it was all right well do you got anything else for this week matt nope 
Did you that remember any other movies you watched? <laughs> no, not this time. All right. Well, I guess if that is the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. And judge movies, not people. <laughs> <laughs>